They have been here since the dawn of time. They're here now, waiting, watching. They've gone unchecked, unnoticed. And now, that monster. Damn, son, where'd you find this? Everybody's talking about Edward. 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 Everybody's talking about Edward. He puts you to the test. Everybody's talking about Edward. 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 Everybody's talking about Edward. He comes to your house. Okay, test out your microphone. I'm not singing that song. Why? Why? What's wrong with the song? I'm not singing it. I refuse. <laughs> why, why? Are you a fucking brat? Everybody's talking about Edward. 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 Everybody's talking about Edward. He's like a sim in your house. He walks over to the stove. Yes, he does. He starts a pot of water. He does his very best. With the water? Yeah. Like what kind of best? I like you. <clears throat> what kind of best? Yeah. Well, I like. I maybe I'll make a uh, hot water for a tea, mm-hmm. chamomile tea, English breakfast tea. Mm-hmm. I make a hot wa- I make a hot water pot for something else, like um, I don't know, just like a bath. Making soap. Yeah, making soap. Like yeah, make, yeah, soap making <laughs> exactly. So I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of the Palinuic lifestyle. Yes. <clears throat> uh, I wait yes. for the um little tallow to rise to the top of the pot right. of water. And welcome. We are listening to Crafts Conversation here on Lemon Wedge Public Radio, sponsored by Uncle Clunk's Craft Corner. We also have a new sponsor today. We have two new sponsors actually. Ed, would you like to guess? Uh, Our first sponsor today is actually, I received an email through the Blueberry Stats hosting PowerPress. We have a new podcast advertising opportunity that is almost open That is open to almost all qualified show. The client is Hims. Hims. What? What Hims. is that? It's this company, and they're doing uh, all the alt-right podcasts are being selected to uh, do this male version of Think's Underwear, this product called Hims. Are you fucking kidding me? And guess what? Guess how much you're going to receive? What? $20. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't really know that much about Hims, but I wanted to show you, Edward, the website. Look at this. Do you recognize that color? Oh my God! That's the exact background of Thinks. It really this is. is Thinks. It's but for men. It's Thinks for men. And they just—they do hair and they do sex. And would you read that little statement for us there? Okay. Well, I already see that it fucking has the eggplant emoji at the end of it. Yes, it does. This one is simple. <laughs> you need erections when you want them, not when it's convenient for your penis. <laughs> why? Why the fuck did they put? They put a a quote mark. As an apostrophe in between the its and the s of its, they that really did. That's fucking. That's so amateur. They need a copywriter. What they need is to be filled with fucking rats, because that's our other sponsor of this episode is rats. That's true. This is the craft of rats, the secret life of rats. That's right. Mm-hmm. And we're back here, and uh, I'd like to thank Hims for giving us twenty dollars. <laughs> so we actually did get twenty dollars. No, not yet. We'll probably get it in like a year. <laughs> I would thought we would just start off shouting out Hims right. and then seeing what happens. Okay, look. <laughs> Usually, when I'm shouting out Hims, I'm <laughs> I'm in the back of the church. But right now, I'm wanted to tell you about a new, a brand new product that's developed by Thinks Underwear, and it's called Hims, and it's. Um, sex, it's sexual underpants that you can put on and they can provide erections whenever you want them. They also have, they have all these plants Wait, that they're they showing off. Do they stop your erection? I, I don't know. Where is it at? Earlier. Like, oh yeah, there's another plant. See, when you want. it really does look exactly like things. It's the same color and it has the same uh, it, little tree kind of deal. No, it, no this has to be a product of things. It has to be. Yeah. A subsidiary because... If not, this is blatant like theme ripoff. The color for the background it's is exactly all the theme same as things. That's true. I mean, they you all do the same like thing, but I mean, this millennial is... pink. <laughs> but they also like have the exact same font, and they oh my god, they fucking end their little like taglines with emojis, just like those goddamn things ads. So sick. Does eggplant emoji make you not want to have a boner? 
No, it doesn't. It absolutely does not. I don't think anything would kill my boner more than getting sent the eggplant emoji. I'm not a big fan. That's true. I'm not a big fan of eggplant parmesan either. Okay, Edward's got the knife. There is a very nice knife on this table, and I want to tell you about this knife. This knife has... See this? See how this goes? The handle... Uh, the knife blade goes into the handle. Mm-hmm. This is called a full tang. This goes all the way down. This is a sign of a good knife because this... No, I'm serious. Because the handle can't break off when you're digging around in whatever you're digging around in. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Don't wield that knife at me. it goes all the way down. Like that. That's good. That's a full tang. I had to learn about this. For what? When I worked at Bed Bath & Beyond and had to sell <laughs> Calholon and um, uh, titanium forged, uh, forged knives. Mm. So if this handle of a knife mm. is called a tang, do you know what a group of rats is called? No. What's it called, Brian? It's called a mischief. Wow. Isn't that nice? So the term of venery... For rats is a mischief. It is. Do not tickle me when I have a fucking knife. You don't tickle someone with a knife. (laughs) The talking knife. We have the talking knife here, which I'm going to name from now on Diane Ream. So when you want to speak, you'll say, "Pass me that Diane Ream." Okay, fair enough. (laughs) The ultimate rat fucker, Diane Ream. (laughs) So the reason we decided to do this episode about rats is me and Kate had a whole rat fueled Saturday. It was a ratter day. It was. Ratterday, Ratterday Night Live. All right, so listen. I woke up and I went to go do something and I parked in a parking lot and I watched a rat You parked slowly, in a parking lot, huh? Mm-hmm, slowly chug across the parking lot to my car and then die right next to my car. And while this was happening, my car was also dying. So, like, the steering wheel wasn't turning, but the car was moving or whatever. Like, it would go, but the steering wheel wouldn't turn. So I opened the hood and every time I tried to go to my car, the rat would move a little bit, and I wasn't sure if it was dead. Cut to later. Now you can go, Brian. Okay, so Kate calls me up, and she's like, my car needs a jump. And so I get in my car and start it up, and then pull over to uh, jump Kate's car. And when I open up the hood of the car, I put the two jumper cables on my battery terminal, and I look down, and okay. there's a dead rat. And I have the two jumper cables in, in my hands. Car. Inside in of the hood. Cool. Like right next to where the hood opens up. There was a rat just like bloodied all up. So I think that when I turned on the car, I killed this rat. I think like the rat a fresh was. Kill. I think oh the rat God. was sleeping right next to the, uh, the what the fuck do you call it? The belt. The I think it was the belt that took him out because it was a belt size like hole in the rat side. Oh, wow. So I had the jumper cables in my hand. So I was like, shit, I can't do anything about this. And so I told Kate not to look at it. And Kate's like, don't look at what? And she looks down. And she immediately starts crying. Really, <laughs> <laughs> you started crying? No. So then we jump Kate's car. And because we jumped Kate's car, usually if you jump a car and the car is kind of fucked up, you only get like one good jump. And then we were trying to drive it to the uh, auto mechanic that Kate always uses. And then as I'm driving it down, the car breaks down. We have to call a tow truck. We have to do all this shit. There's a whole thing. Then, Kate, what happened? Then the next day, the people called me like right away. They were like, your car's ready. I was like, that makes no sense. My car was so dead. What the fuck? Like, how did you fix my car so fast? And they were like, well, it turns out a rat was just like clogging all the engine. And that was why it died. Wow. So we both so had we rats both in had our car. So we both had rats in our cars. Wow. In one day. And it literally killed my car. Like, I thought it was the engine. I thought it was like the transmission. I was like, this is fucked. I'm going to have to spend like $1,000. And then it, they literally just took the rat out. Did they get, do you keep, what did you get the rat? No, but they asked like if I wanted to see it. Like how they gave you your tonsils afterwards? Yeah, no. They asked if I wanted to see it, and I declined. Yeah, I have one more. They asked you if you wanted to see it? Yeah. That's cool. You're the cool mechanic. No, my mechanic's awesome. He congratulated me. He was like, one down, millions more to go. We salute you. <laughs> I was like, thanks. He saluted you? Yeah, no, he was like, good job. So he like, hates rats? He hates rats. Why? They're gross. Oh, they've actually, as we've learned, made several contributions to history. Though. You know what? We haven't learned that at all yet. No, Not I've a single. That. I- Okay, I mean, you know what's interesting about rats? What's interesting, Brian? Two rats can, their progeny, a pair of rats can produce 350 million rats in three years, which is the entire population of the U.S. Basically, two rats can Can, can make America so intense to make America in three years. That's so. So how are we just not like overrun with rats? Well, I think there's a lot of problems, mainly cars killing them. Can can I can I read a little bit about rat symbolism? We would love yes, for absolutely. you to. Okay. Were the rat not regarded as a frightening and even an infernal creature, it might have shared the metamorphosis into a love symbol of its fellow rodent, the rabbit, which Aww. shares its hungry nocturnal <laughs> habits and its pro- prolixi- prolixity. I don't know what that means. 
Uh, it is therefore a Chthonian animal, which played an important part in pre-Hellenistic Mediterranean civilizations and was often associated with serpents and moles. Now, as Freud demonstrates in his classic analysis of the rat man, which I will get into later, the creature is regarded as unclean, rummages in the bowels of the earth, has distant, distinctly phallic and anal connotations, and is associated with notions of wealth Wait, when and are, money. Wait, when are rats considered phallic? Yeah, I don't know about <laughs> the phallic part. Well, I'll get into the rat man story. And I mean, Freud sees everything as boners or butts right. and stuff. For this last reason, it is often regarded as the image of avarice and greed and of sinister and shady activities. The I Ching is at one with European traditions on this point. Positive analysis would emphasize the creature's fecundity, and in Japan, for example, it is the companion of Dekuko, the god of wealth. Ooh. The same interpretation is current in China and Siberia. This would explain why, in Freudian analysis, rats become the avatars of children, both being signs of wealth and plenty. Rats are, however, insatiable pilferers and are thus regarded as thieves. In the Iliad, <laughs> a po- <laughs> Wow. In the, ah, whatever. Yeah, keep going. Hold, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> this, this, trust me. This is, this is worth reading, okay? This okay. is important to my central thesis about rats, which I will get into yeah, throughout the night. There you go. The good, knife, good, knife, good. The knife. God damn it. I, yeah, I have the knife. Would you like Diane? Yeah, can I, can I have the knife, please? There you go. In the Iliad, Apollo is invoked under his name Smintheos, derived from a word meaning mouse. The ambivalence of the title given him corresponds with the two aspects of this symbol. The mouse which spreads pestilence is the symbol of Apollo, who destroys by plague. And in a passage in the Iliad, the old man Chryses calls on the god to avenge an insult, while, as a harvest god, Apollo protects the grain from the ravages of mice. In this symbolism, it may be seen that the destructive role played by rats in mice is grounds for applying that role in two different ways, actively employing it as vengeance and suppressing it as benefaction. Hence arises the twofold aspect of the, the god called Smintheos. Jesus. Hold, hold <laughs> well, on, hold on. I don't understand well, like, what you're talking about. Kinda. This primitive uh. agrarian tradition of Apollo as a mouse god who sends disease and cures it should be compared with the Indian tradition of a rat god, supposedly the son of Rudra, with the power to <laughs> inflict and cure disease. Apollo, Smintheos, and Ganesha embody the beneficent and healing powers of the soil. And the reason I read that is, 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 is here's why. Okay. Because he talks about this two-fold path of these, the, the two-handed path Ooh. of these gods, uh, these traditions of the rap association is that these gods um, both send and cure disease. I agree with that. I totally wow. agree with that. Why, yeah, because, I hey, totally agree with so that. Rats, I have examples of that, too. Awesome. I mean, obviously, yeah. historically, they're just called vermin and for spreading pestilence. However, they are the the laboratory rat is the first animal that was domesticated for purely scientific means. And this is why I, I thought rats related to craft yes. is because yeah. like craft, sometimes your crafts appear hideous at first glance and they appear scary at first glance. But really underneath that wicker basket that's made to look like a duck, you realize <laughs> that it's actually useful and purposeful to our lives as crafters. It's true. I mean, and like, <laughs> it is very true. And, and they're basically this what animal where mm. we, we make into a craft by just making it suffer diseases to then learn from it while it also is just seen as basically um, proliferating disease. Absolutely. Also, I have really good examples. Do you, you want the talking knife? Yeah. Give Kate the talking knife. Hear an example of a rat <laughs> causing a disease that ultimately cures another disease, or an example of a rat finding a disease so that somebody can cure the disease. Hit me with both. Yeah, hit me with this your best shot. This is going to be long. So. Well, here, you know what I'll do is I'll yeah. be nice, unlike you guys, and I will let you tell your story no, without interrupting with groans interrupt. and moans like and burps and chortles. Chortles? And farts. I hope that you have questions. 100% pure uncut chortles. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> if Hems employees or Hems fucking CEO is listening to this shit, we mentioned you fucking twice. It's time for my 20 motherfucking dollars. $40. Give us fucking $40. $40. Do it for Hems. We do it for our friends. We do it for our family. Okay, continue. Okay. 
So everyone remembers the bubonic plague. It was quite the kerfluffle, one would say. Ride with it. The bacteria, years, <laughs> the bacteria, Yersinia <laughs> pestis spread across Europe from fleas carried by rats in the mid 1940s, in the mid 1340s to the early 1350s, causing cough, coughing, fever, chills, inflamed lymph nodes, painful bruising, and of course, death. I forgot. That, adding to your story here. Go, go. I forgot that the the majority of the plague in which like the third of the population was wiped out took place in just three years. Yeah. It was literally, it was like virtually no years. Yeah. The other thing I'll say about this is what I remember from learning about this in Hebrew school is that the people who had, <laughs> is that the people who got the plague coughed up something that looked like a mixture of seaweed and Oreos. But when I was reading about this, I couldn't find that anywhere. And it turned out that <laughs> I think they were just like bleeding internally. Some very of that nice. deep, deep intestinal blood is very dark. It's very dark. I assumed it looked like seaweed and Oreos. Yeah, black plague looking like a snack. Yeah. Black plague look like fam. Continue, Kate. So anyway, <laughs> all right. So let's get technical for one second, but it's important. The way the Eusternius pestis infiltrates your white blood cells is through a protein called CCR5, which is involved in regulating inflammatory response to infection. During the first outbreak of bubonic plague in the 1300s, one in 20,000 Europeans had a genetic mutation, the CCR5 Delta 32, that caused their protein to be inactive. It was basically useless. Those lucky few were immune to the bubonic plague. However, what we didn't learn about in Hebrew school was that there was other outbreaks of plague in Europe, such as one in the 1600s, for example, and every time there was an outbreak, a higher percent of the European population survived because of the mutation. So almost like the plague was weeding out people whose protein was active because they succumbed to the disease and people whose protein was inactive would survive and their generations would survive because oh, they wouldn't wow. die. So jump forward in history to the 1990s, New York City. People are more concerned about who's playing at tunnel than, you know, widespread famine. Jesus and Christ. <laughs> um, and we have washing machines and dishwashers and AIDS is a real problem. Scientists discover that oh, HIV. Jesus, where are you listen, going? Listen, this is really cool. Scientists discover that HIV, the human immunodeficiency <laughs> virus, also attacks the CCR5 protein, and further that Europeans who have the Delta 32 mutations are essentially immune to HIV. It's roughly 10% of the Europeans that have the mutation, and the virus can't penetrate their system. In fact, in 2009, a study was done where researchers transplanted stem cells from a donor with a 30 Delta 32 mutation into someone with acute myeloid lymphoma and HIV-1 infection, and the patient remained without viral rebound 20 months after transplantation, and they discontinued the antiretroviral therapy. So basically, the rats inadvertently causing the bubonic plague inadvertently caused a mutation that has led some people to be HIV-resistant, which is so cool. Interesting. Isn't that so cool? That's very interesting. Edward, before you go into yours, would you like another rat fact? I would love to hear a rat fact. Rats don't have thumbs, so I would like to invite the group and the listener to give a thumbs up for rats. Rats are a very clean animal. They spend several hours per day grooming themselves. There is an image of a rat taking a shower that children will pass around and spit on from time to time. <laughs> what? Which children? Any, all kids. All kids. I have something recent to talk about involving the plague. There was just a study. Okay, there's a study that was just published one month ago. Okay. Or actually, not even that. It, 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 took, it came out in January. Go. In Rat facts. The Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, the PNAS. Wow. Okay. So rats might not have been to blame for the spread uh, of the plague during the... That's the, so sad. That means they didn't cure AIDS. Hold, hold, hold on one second. Check this out. <laughs> during the Black Death, according to just this, this new study, basically the rodents and their fleas were thought to have spread a series of outbreaks in the 14th and 19th century Europe. But a team from the University of Oslo and Ferreira now says the first... That the first, the Black Death, can be largely ascribed to human fleas and body lice. Oh, that's so sad. Isn't that sad? Well, okay, just so you know, yeah. this is just one study. Yeah. This doesn't mean that this is, this is true. Here, here's why they came across this, this opinion, right? Okay, go. Okay, so... Rat-tastic. The Black Death claimed an estimated 25 million lives uh, between 1347 and 1351. We have good mortality data from outbreaks in nine cities in Europe said some guy. Um, so we could construct <laughs> models of the disease dynamics there. Him and his colleagues then st simulated 
disease outbreaks in each of these cities, creating three models where the disease was spread by rats, airborne transmission, and fleas and lice that live on humans in their clothes. Mm. In seven out of the nine cities studied, the human parasite model was a much better match for the pattern of the outbreak. It mirrored how quickly it spread and how many people it affected. The conclusion is very clear, says Pro- Professor Stenseth. The lice model sounds like a bitch. fits best. <laughs> it would have been unlikely Fuck to spread that. as fast if it was transmitted by rats. It would have to go through this extra loop of the rats rather than being spread from person to person. Oh, that's so sad. That means rats didn't. No, create. no, this, this doesn't mean. Well, that means yeah. lice cured HIV, not rats. The, the, the only thing about this is that we don't know for certain. We never probably will. But how does that? But then, what does that have to say about the more people getting the gene mutation every time there's an outbreak of plague? Did y'all mm. did y'all hymns motherfuckers ever get lice? No, did you? You have lice, right? Yeah, I have it right now. I didn't have lice, but there was a girl <laughs> that got bullied on my street for having lice. By you? Did she get her hair head shaved? She did get her head shaved. Oh my god! You? Did you shave I her? Didn't bully her. <laughs> yeah, right. You didn't bully her. I just her. didn't help her. <laughs> you didn't help her. You love just standing you, by and watching the really atrocities. Do. You know what Kate's favorite thing is actually? Kate's favorite thing is pushing an atrocity to happen, like something horrible to happen to somebody or bullying someone to happen. But then Kate not having anything to do with it besides pushing it to happen. And then the way Kate, if it goes bad, Kate can be like, oh, I didn't do that. <laughs> That's Kate's favorite yeah, thing I to do. do. That too. So well, here's, a, here's another fun rat fact. Most rats are right-handed. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right, let me counter that one that's potentially been disproved. Rats do not have any thumbs. <laughs> it, it, it isn't necessarily dis- disproved, but it, it just brings in the question. question. That, like, I, like, this is why I tie it back to the symbolism of the rat, right? Because it, it is the year of the rat. Is it? 2018, really? year of the rat. Cool. Yeah, that's isn't that cool? cool? That's another reason why we chose this topic. Is that rats maybe are unfairly blamed for more disease right. than they actually do. And... Mm. They kind of are this like little potentially because of human means that have caught, that have brought about pestilence. Right. They kind of side saddle little the blame onto the rats. Uh, but I was vic- victor- victoring. Is that a word? No, victoring. Up- <laughs> upholding. Triumphing. You were triumphing. I was triumphing the rats. You were Diane reaming the rats. I was Diane reaming <laughs> the fuck out of the rats. I, yeah, you were Diane. I was upholding them to the to a high standard. Right. Curing. One of the world's most deadly viruses. Well, they didn't cure it. Yeah, there's no <laughs> cure for it still. It's, it <laughs> is like you can have a better life with pills and treatment. Oh, yeah. No, now it's you're good to go. I wouldn't say you're good to go. Well, you're better to go. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Right? Okay. Listen. Here's another way that rats help diseases. Do you want to know? I would love to hear. Okay. Since 2013... Rats have been used in Mozambique to sniff out tuberculosis. In Mozambique's capital, 75% of testing centers use rats to test for TB. In the first 16 months of testing, the rats had picked up 764 cases that typical testing methods had missed. So envision this. It's basically a bunch of test tubes set up at a table, and each tube contains mucus from potential TB patients, and the rats... All sort of run around the little tubes and squeaking around and sniffing them. And then one is positive. They stop and they sort of tap, tap, tap. And then the technician can go and get them. And when the rat keeps going to the next tube and it sniffs it, it's like tap, tap, tap. Cool. Tap, tap, tap. Um, and so here's the thing. Typically, a technician would have to look at the mucus under a microscope to determine if it's infected but if the technician is sleepy or needs a cookie, then he or she might miss it. <laughs> Kate, actually, here's something that goes back to another episode that I really want to talk to you about on the podcast. Just as a brief aside, please. Kate, in her sleep the other day, said five guys. And I said, Kate, are you serious? Can we go to five guys? And Kate said, I would love to go to five guys. Whoa. He says this, and I obviously don't do, do, okay, this. Do you, After this podcast we record, do you guys want to go to five guys? I would yeah, love to go, go to five guys. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Really? Oh, boy. Okay, okay, Kate. Okay, cool. Okay, I'm so on board. We, we can. We, we have can, to I want to try yeah. the. We got to try thing. the anarchist, the, 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 the freestyle movement. Yeah. Here, before we go okay. back into your story, real fast, we oh have. Boy. We have basically done. Well, we're going to finish your story up. Okay. I don't care if it was done or not. We have another rat <laughs> fact that goes along with this dream about five guys. Rats have been proven to make a laughter-like noise, unable to be heard by the human ear alone, when tickled. When tickled, and dream while sleeping. Ryan, do you make, do you make a sound when you're tickled? 
Oh I God. do, but we're not doing I think that. <laughs> I'm holding like... the knife. I'm holding the Diane Reem knife. <laughs> oh, my God. Tickle Hour with Edward, when we're discovering some interesting Diane facts about Brian being tickled. On Crafts Conversation, sponsored by oh, Lemon Wedge. Does anyone have a napkin? Rats and the movie Hymns in theaters now. <laughs> Where oh. the fuck is my goddamn ear, Jack? Speaking of burgers. Oh, thank you, kind sir. According to a study by the Animal Behavior Society, the favorite foods of city-dwelling brown rats are scrambled eggs, macaroni and cheese, and cooked corn. Oh, cool. That sounds like a really a really good meal, actually. Yeah. Yeah, you love cream corn, Edward. I do like cream corn a lot. It's craft conversations. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. Do you guys want to hear about rat baiting? Yes. Okay, so rat baiting was a sport that was practiced in the 17, uh, 1700s in England, and rat baiting involved placing a terrier dog in a pit with 100 or so rats. A keeper measured the time until the last rat was killed, and men would place bets on how long it took the terrier dog to kill all the rats. Hundreds of rats were captured prior to these contests. Later, they were bred to ensure a steady supply. The albinos were often removed and kept for show purposes and breeding. Yep. Rat baiting was finally ended by decree, but this sport flourished for nearly 70 years. The long history of domestication may be why rats make ba- far better pets than hedgehogs, gerbils, hamsters, or chinchillas, or the average house cat. Only the guinea pig is as tame and sweet as a domestic rat, and perhaps for the same reason. They, too, were domesticated by the ancient Incas. Few pet bites less than rats and are more loving and well-handled than the fancy rat. Human handling makes them even kinder as companions. They are a very good choice for children, often nibbling on the ears of children that are too quick and too funny for rats to decipher whether or not they want to murder them. They are quick to accept you as family. They are mm-hmm. deal as pets. Okay, listen, I have questions. Yes, hit me. Do the dogs really like this game now actually the rat terriers do really like this game and there's a group of new yorkers who go around with their rat terriers and they hunt down rats in the city streets because they think that their rat terriers really love it and they do really love it like rat terriers long to kill rats it's like inbred in them it's like how pomeranians sniff out turnips oh absolutely wait what pomeranians were raised to sniff out turnips really why turnip sniffers they're turnip sniffers in ancient russia where well it's actually austria whatever did you guys ever get turnips and just fuck with slippy yeah we put them under our pillows sometimes really do you and he mm-hmm. sniffs them out really he does he, yeah, he loves them, them. What, does he eat them yeah no, because well, wild turnips were a big delicacy in the 1800s really yeah they taste so much better than just like farm have turnips one? we don't we have, have any on right us now, now we'll go to five guys and get one yeah. yeah we'll ask them at five guys if they have a raw tur- a wild turnip. wild turnip yeah yes yeah, and the Pomeranian is actually really funny, too, because there is a bigger dog called the German Spitz that the Pomeranian is bred down from, and mm. the German Spitz look exactly like a Pomeranian, except they're huge, but the German Spitz were trained to hunt down like children that were running away. Cool. So instead of children, the German Spitz, the Pomeranian hunts turnips that have run away. I mean, I got to say, you know, no offense to your dog, but I mean, in comparison, finding a turnip or finding a child... <laughs> <laughs> I would say the turnip's a lot more difficult. Listen, a turnip could feed a child. What would you do if you had a child and you had no dog food? could feed a child? Dog? I, I could I could eat Listen, your dog. This remind this reminds me. <laughs> My dog me, could eat the shit out of you. Are you kidding? I could. Uh, My dog would destroy. I you. I could eat more of your dog than it could eat of me. That is not true. That's are you not, kidding me? That is not true. You really don't think so? I really don't. Let's, I think if we let's put this rat looking motherfucker in the pit with the dog <laughs> and see what happens. If if you if, okay, if you literally <laughs> let. Let me eat your dog. <laughs> I could eat way more of it than you would ever fucking be able to eat of me. I don't think so. Oh, okay, first, gets hungry. Okay, but first of all, okay, first of all, m- motive and physics. It's fucking stomach. <laughs> its stomach is way smaller than mine. It wouldn't be able to fit that much of me in it. And second of all, I have way they more would determination. Puke you out and then just like eat a little bit more of you and then puke you out. A that little would get bit you more. disqualified from the Nathan's hot skating contest. Uh, I don't think he gives a shit about rules. This dog is beyond. Oh, me. I don't give a shit about rules either. I'll go downstairs and <laughs> eat your fucking dog right now. <laughs> And you're listening to Crafts Conversation on Lemon Wedge Public Radio. My dog Radio. plays by his own rules. Yeah, and so do I. Sponsored by hymns and rats now. 
All right. Do you, do you guys do you guys want to hear about the Rat Man of Sigmund Freud? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so Rat Man was the nickname given by Sigmund Freud to a pace, patient whose case history was published as Notes Upon a Case of Obsessional Neuroses in Hold on, before we go into okay. that, let's do one more rat fact. Okay. Rats have strong teeth that allow them to chew through glass, cinder block, wire, aluminum foil, and lead. Anyone can chew through <laughs> aluminum foil. I could chew through aluminum foil. Good work, Kate. I could chew through Slippy. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you listening along at home, our Pomeranian is named Slippy, and he's a good boy. He's now, Edward, continue. Looks, looks really good. <laughs> this was the second of six case histories. Diane, ream your belly. <laughs> that Freud published, and the first in which he claimed that the patient had been cured. This is the first case that, that Freud, Freud had claimed that his patient had been cured by psychoanalysis, all right? So the he nick- only cured one person ever? This is the first case in which he claimed that the patient had been cured by psychoanalysis. How many years was he a therapist yeah, before this? Yeah, how long this? did this take? Uh, can, can I... Can I oh God, <laughs> let me just keep going. You need to have answers if you're going to do research. Shut up, everyone. <laughs> I had the talking knife. God damn, I hate the talking knife. The nickname derives from the fact that among the patient's many compulsions was an obsession with nightmarish fantasies about rats. Um, to protect an- anonymity of patients, of course, that's why they re- just refer to him as Ratman. But he is most likely a clever lawyer named Ernst Lanzer. Damn. <laughs> okay, so check this out. That's the best part so far. <laughs> Lanzer first came to Freud in October 1907, complaining of obsessive fears and compulsive impulses. Freud treated his patient for a little over three months on a regular daily basis. The treatment was irregular for the next three months and sporadic at best after that. Lanzer's principal fear, the Ratman's principal fear, was that something terrible was going to happen to his father and a lady friend who later became his wife. His fear had grown out of an account he heard from a fellow army officer concerning a Chinese torture method in which a large pot containing a live rat was strapped to the buttocks of the victim and the rat encouraged by a red-hot poker to gnaw his way out through the victim's anus. Wow. That is something. Lanzer claimed that he fantasized about murder and suicide and developed a number of compulsive, irrational behavioral patterns. For Mm. example, example, he mentioned his habit of opening the door of his flat between 12 midnight and 1 a.m., apparently so that his father's ghosts could enter. Lanzer would then stare at his penis, sometimes using a mirror. Freud encouraged Lanzer to discuss details of his sex life um, such as his first efforts at masturbation at age 20, <laughs> and focused on a number of verbal associations with the word rotten, or rats. Wow, That's rat cool. style. According to Freud's analysis, Lanzer unconsciously identified himself with rats. Lanzer was unconsciously fantasizing that he, a rat and a biter, was having anal intercourse with his father and with his lady friend. Mm. Rat- so he's kind of like a furry. Well... Not really. I mean, a lot of this is just Freud mumbo jumbo projection bullshit. Yeah, but if it was like a furry, that would that would make a lot of sense. That would be cool. Yeah. And if the first uh, if, if psychoanalysis the first furry was a rat, that would actually be interesting. And if psychoanalysis, it's ultimate like like fighter against like if you're choosing the ultimate warrior against psychoanalysis, it's a furry. And so if this guy's a okay, furry, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, here? I do. Like he's the ultimate like attack against psychoanalysts, and like psychoanalysts are trying to do like he was. He started with Mount Everest. If he's starting with a furry, he started with the ultimate like leeches of like the human brain, yeah, and the human experience. How come no furries are typically rats? Uh, Firmocracy. The, oh, there, there's one. There's one. You ever see Beekman's World? No. You never saw Beekman's World? Have you seen Beekman's World? I've never seen Beekman's World. Is that about the German expressionist painter Max Beekman? Fuck no. (laughs) Beekman's Beekman's World was the antip. It was the rival to Bill Nye the Science Guy, Ah. and it was this scientist in a neon green lab coat with um, uh, black hair sticking all over the place, and he had an assistant who was a rat man. He was dressed as a rat. He was like the ah. lab rat. And I didn't so like he, him. Was he was kind of a furry. Yes. Bill Nye, the very, Christian guy. He was very, that's my joke. He was, <laughs> yeah. he was very disgruntled, and he, he actually kind of really drugged the show a little bit. You've never told a joke before. So he drugged the show. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like another rat we know. <laughs> rat, man, rat man was verbally clever and himself introduced Freud Unlike to, Edward. <laughs> to Nietzsche's phrase, which Freud would later cite, 
I did this, says my memory. I cannot have done this, says my pride, and remains inexorable. Mm -hmm. In the end, memory yields. Lanzer broke off his analysis with Freud um, after a relatively brief period as well before his transference had been fully uh, resolved. Um, just after Freud had completed the written version of the case history in October 1909, he confessed to Jung that his patient was still having ongoing problems. Lanzer was killed in the First World War, and, and, and therefore later researchers were unable to interview him. So this case mm. is important, right, because so Freud used this as the very first case of proving that psychoanalysis works. However, in his notes and in confessions to Jung, he mentioned that this guy was still having problems afterwards. They only mm. met solidly for three months and then just sporadically after that that's not mm. enough time which is yeah. not enough time and so they basically like, i think freud just wanted to tell the story freud just wanted to tell that cool story about the butt and then yes. he also wanted to claim that his techniques were working well let's parse it down for the listener you're sigmund freud you're doing coke you meet this guy <laughs> who wants rats to crawl out of his butt you're gonna tell the world oh yeah like duh right and, and like, you're gonna say you cured that shit you're sure. gonna be like this guy was <laughs> effed but check it out i did it yeah. he's dead now don't worry about it yeah totally. it's not a big deal <laughs> yeah so the, the right man case basically just just embodies the, the symptomatic relief of brief psychotherapy so guys i know what you're thinking rats are always climbing at my genitalia and trying to ride on through there but wow is there a solution to this problem there is brian there is now him's underwear it's classic it's fun it's rat proof and if i do not get 60 bucks for this episode i'm gonna come to your house and i'm gonna slit your throat and let the rats live in there you yeah, fucking it's true. Him's seriously fuck. we have this knife right here and this is the official threat we got our knife we called it diane ream for a reason we're gonna ream it in your fucking ear it's true um you know, okay can i say one thing about diane ream yeah. hit it motherfucker okay i really like diane ream is really cool to yeah. me because she she is a very outspoken proponent of the right to die movement because mm. her husband, who was dying of a neurologically um, deleterious disease, desperately, <laughs> desperately, no, this is serious. He, he's, he, um, he wanted, cool. he wa that's, you can do whatever you want. He, <laughs> he wanted to, to go at, at his own at his own, um, by his own means, instead of having to suffer through this like debilitating disease. And because of the right to die laws in the United States, he was not able to. I actually have a really good rat fact that ties into that. An adult rat can squeeze into your home through a hole as small as the size of a quarter. I read that too. That's cool. Do they have spongy bones? I don't, I don't know how they do like, that. How do they do that? I don't know how they do it. Do they have like a collapsible skeleton? I don't know how they do it. Brian, you have a collapsible skeleton. I absolutely you're, do. You're like a collapsible like um, a, a colander. Yeah, you have a very soft skeleton though. Like your head is very soft mm. and misshapen. Yeah. I don't know what's up with that. You, yeah, you're, you're, and your I ribs saw you are just like rubber bands. Yeah, I saw you similar to like an octopus stick your whole head through the sink one time. Mm, yeah. What was up with that? Well, you know, I was doing it for my friends, and I was doing it for my family. <laughs> Again, so do you guys want to hear about um, the 19th century engraving of a black rat? Sure. We want to hear about the 19th century engraving of a black rat. I didn't even know. I haven't read this yet. I just found this. I don't know why I copied and pasted it in my rat notes. But the pinto-like pattern seen so often in domestic rats of mainly two coat colors and a piebald pattern is called hooded. Both our adult rats are hooded rats. Fancy rats come in many colors. <laughs> Solid or self-colored. Agonity and hooded. Hooded rats have been used. Self-colored is crazy. Um, hooded rats have been Wait, used. Wait, what do you mean self-colored? That's just what it says, self-colored. I haven't read this before. <laughs> <laughs> hooded rats have been used for many decades in labs as white rats. Captive rats read for research have become research have become dog-like in their attitude towards humans. It is our hope that the day comes when the lives of even small creatures like rats are held with enough regard they need to be used in animal testing or killed for fruitless reasons. So should we call your brother? Yeah, we should call him. Let's uh, let's take a slight break. The crafting don't go anywhere, craft test dummies. Let's take a slight break and call Kate's brother, who has murdered thousands of rats. Preview. This is uh, Josh Levitt, Kate's brother, and he is professional at rats. And um, he's not a professional <laughs> at rats. <laughs> See, I knew you would like that, Josh. I work with. I certainly work with rat professionals. Okay. Cool. 
So do you want to tell us a little bit about your research? Josh, Josh is a very famous researcher at Brown University <laughs> who conducts... We, we went to go see his doctor, doctorate, and it mainly was torturing rats, which I was really impressed by. So I think, Josh, has a lot of things you'd like to say on this topic. Yeah. So uh, I personally don't torture rats for a living. <laughs> Definitely in my lab, we do a certain amount of rat-related research. We study the neuroscience of pain. So it involves basically, you know doing some painful stuff to rats and then seeing what happens to their brains. Can you give some examples of the kinds of torture? Um, sure. So one thing we'll do pretty often is we'll tie like a stitch around a nerve in their leg, which creates <laughs> like a sort of, it means like, you know, whenever they walk, their nerve rubs up against the stitch, which gets obviously pretty irritating. Oh my God. It's that's sort of like a model of like a chronic pain condition that a human might have. Um, another thing we like do restless leg syndrome. Inject... Oh yeah, wait. Edward has restless leg syndrome. Do you deal with that ever? I don't deal with restless leg. I don't know if rats have restless leg. I'm not really sure how we'd identify that. Like, <laughs> okay. They don't really. They don't really express themselves that that way, you know. Okay. But. Yeah. The other thing we do sometimes is inject capsaicin into their paws. Ooh, what's capsaicin? Capsaicin is the thing that makes uh, peppers spicy. Oh, wow. Oh, that's so mean. Yeah, it's not, it's not the best. What, 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 what have, uh, during, during your time there, what um, have you learned? What have you gleaned from these studies? Yeah, so we've learned a lot about the way, what happens in the brain uh, when you're in pain. And we are starting to develop a good idea of how you can identify when a subject is in pain based only on signals uh, from their brain. Okay. That's fascinating. I, I was looking at, I was looking over, I, I didn't, didn't dive into a, really at all uh, your, <laughs> your thesis, but I was looking at the, the pain scale in there that goes from like one to 10 with those faces. Yeah. Um, yeah, everyone, everyone's probably familiar with the smiley face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> But how do you have that for a rat? Yeah, the, the, like, like what, what, what kind of pain, like on that scale, do you administer to the rats? No, but how can you tell if a rat is in happy pain or medium pain or sad pain? Well, you put whiskers on it. That's a that's a really good question, actually. Um, so what we do is we'll apply like a really minor heat to their paw, and depending on how quickly they withdraw their paw, we can have like an idea about how sensitive they are to pain. Like, if they're feeling really not great, then they'll lift their paw up right away. But if they don't care, like, we've given them some meds or something, then they won't. Then they'll just ignore it. Okay. That's fascinating. What uh, what line of rats do you work with? I... I'm sorry, or they I work actually, with? I think we use Sprague Dolly rats. That might mean something to somebody. Okay. I'm not super knowledgeable about rodent breeding there are people who like that's their life but right i'm not that person okay are you allowed to name the rats and do you name the rats um i think we probably like i don't think anyone would yell at us if we named. like i don't think anyone would know if we named the rats well josh actually i uh I was in a med study one time, and they right. named a monkey after me and told me that they named the monkey Brian. And then after I was done with the study, they were going to kill the monkey and look at the monkey named Brian's brains. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do unfortunately have to kill most of the animals at the end of the study, and that's, that's pretty sad. So schools are just killing, like, boatloads of rats, basically. Well, yeah, so when you work with rats, it's pretty sad because you have to kill them. But I work mostly with people, so it's really, really sad, and you have to put them down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. And and wait. So the the methods of rat euthanasia isn't it just is it mostly like carbon dioxide or like anesthesia? Smashing them with a brick and a sock. It, it doesn't usually typically does not involve a brick or a sock. Typically. But yeah, carbon dioxide <laughs> is one way that they do it a lot, and anesthesia and guillotine is another way that really happens. guillotine. Well, once you anesthetize them, you have to actually, like, kill them. 
Wow. Well, okay, Josh, this is why I was asking if you're allowed to name them, honestly, for a scientific question, is because okay. I feel like if you name the rat, right, once you name something, you come to love it more. And if you're trying to apply pain to something, to something that you've already become, like, affectionate to, then maybe you wouldn't apply pain as much or do the research as well. Yeah, I don't think that my coworkers ever name the rodents. I think that would be probably going a little too far. Do, do you think that now maybe you'll start suggesting naming the rodents? Um, I mean, I can, I can talk it over with my colleagues. Okay. I don't, I don't know how they'll feel about it. They do have to kill them. Yeah. Mm. Can you name one Brian and one Edward and one Kate? If you want, I can, I can talk to them about it. I don't really have, I don't know if I have naming privileges as far as those rats are concerned. Like, are you allowed to take pictures of the rats? Yeah, I think we can. Yeah. I don't see why not. Okay, I mean, if if, if not to you know uh, overstep the line, but if, if you would ever want to to pick three to name and, and send us a and picture, then send we, us pics. we would love to see that. <laughs> you want some? I mean, I could just you could just find a picture of like a rat. No, but that's not the same as if it's your rat. It's, it's not the same that it's knowing that three that were experimented on and and then put to death. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I name my human subjects. Yeah, I don't really need a rat named after me, to be honest. I already had that monkey named after me. I think I'm good. This is like a special thing we could all have together. I don't care. It would be like getting a tattoo <laughs> together or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Kate already did that. I'm not going to do that. Did what? You got a tattoo with your friends. Well, I, I think it, should you should you want to, I think I would be uh, very welcome. When you kill them, we would have such a ritualistic party. I mean, we. I mean, it's like killing us. Okay. Josh, if you killed Mouse Me, I feel like we would have a strong bond. (laughs) (laughs) If, like, a loved one died and in their will it said that you need to eat them, would you do it? Yeah, I'd try it out. I think you'd have to. You're definitely Kate's brother. (laughs) It would be insulting not to. It would absolutely be. I 100% with you. What would you eat? What if it said, okay, would you eat the ear? You'd have to do like a whole, you'd have to do like a whole get together where you did like a roast. No, but what about if you were assigned, what if they assigned body parts and you were assigned like balls? Would you do that? I don't know. I feel weird about eating somebody's balls. (laughs) But it was in their will though, Josh. It was in their will that I specifically eat their balls. Yeah. Yeah. Eh, why not? Really? How, 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 how would you eat them? Kate, if you want me to eat your balls after, I, after you die. <laughs> well, would you eat Mouse Me's balls? Sure. Really? I mean, if you said it in your will, I'd have to, right? How would you no, prepa- what if, prepare if, it, though? Yeah, that's true. How would you prepare it? Deep frying. Yeah, fried balls. Right. Yes, yeah, deep fried. I mean, like, people eat bull's balls. That's a thing. That's true. That's true, but that's not a person. Like... Like well, I would, this would be a rat, though, so it wouldn't be a person either. Well, yeah, uh, dogs eat bully sticks, which is bulls' dicks. That's a big thing. But I'm saying, like, like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, I would drink cow's milk. People drink cow's milk, but somebody offering me human milk sounds like not something I want to drink. But you already had human milk. Yeah. yeah, you did. Yeah, but what if it was in your brother's will to drink human oh, yeah, milk? Okay, we're jumping back down from balls to human milk. <laughs> we're taking a slight jump down in quality. Well, Josh, I think that was a great talk. We learned a lot about rats, did we not? <laughs> yeah, do, you have, do you have anything else you'd, you'd like to add ab- about about rats, working with rats, your knowledge about rats? Uh, no, I think, I, I think I've said what I've came to say, you know. Okay. I feel like you're actually quite an expert, and I really appreciate you for, as being an expert, and I appreciate you as being my brother. Well, I appreciate you, too. I appreciate all of you. You're gonna oh, eat, Thank you. You're going to eat me when I'm dead. <laughs> Well, on that note... I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. Bye, Josh. Enlightening. Absolutely enlightening. Yeah, we learned a lot there. Yeah. So... I just want to talk a little bit about the story of the Pied Piper of Hamelin. All right? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you always start with this stuff that's like 
It sounds like it's going to go on for a really long time. I don't you care. You know it's going to go on <laughs> yeah. for a really long time. I'm going to start with a quote. That's that, our our one listener besides Kate's mom said he really likes when we just go on or for she. forever. He or she. I'm pretty sure. When lo, as they reached the mountainside, a wondrous portal opened wide, as if a cavern was suddenly hollowed, and the piper advanced and the children followed. And when all were in to the very last, the door in the mountainside shut fast. That's from Robert Browning's The Pied Piper of Hamlin, a children's story. Now, many are familiar with the story of the Pied Piper of Hamlin, but few realize, however, that the story is based on real events, which evolved over the years into a fairy tale that is obviously quite scary. The tale is, it is set in 1284 in the town of Hamlin, Lower Saxony, Germany. The town was facing a rat infestation, and a piper dressed in a coat of many colors, bright cloth, appeared. This piper promised to get rid of the rats in return for a payment to which the townspeople agreed to. This is like Diane Reem's story. Mm-hmm. Although the piper got rid of the rats by leading them away with his music, <laughs> the people of Hamlin reneged on their promise. The furious piper left, vowing revenge. On the 26th of July of that same year, the piper returned and led the children away, never to be seen again, as he did the rats. Nevertheless, one or three children, according to different stories, were left behind. One um, or three. One of these children was lame <laughs> and could not keep up. Another Fuck was deaf game. and could not hear the music. While the third one was blind and could not see where he was going. Can what we about stop the it? second can one? Can we stop it real fast yes. and name them after NPR figures? Sure. Can, can one be, so the lame one, I'm going to name that Brian Lear. Okay. The other one, I'm going to name that Leonard Lopate. And do you have a third one to name? Ira Glass. Ira Glass. Ira yeah. Glass lost his glasses and couldn't see anything. Absolutely. Wow. So the earliest known record of the story is from the town of Hamlin itself, and it's depicted in a stained glass window created for the church of Hamlin, which dates to around 300 AD. Um, Although it was destroyed in 1660, several written accounts have survived. The oldest comes from uh, the Lunenburg manuscript, which states, in the year 1284, on the the day of Saints John and Paul of June 26, by a piper clothed in many kinds of colors, 130 children born in Hamlin were seduced and lost at the place of execution near the Coppin. What year was that? 1284. Oh, wow. That's also the year of the rat. Yes. How do you know? It is. I just know all the dates. You you divide. You can divide back. If it's 2018, you divide back by 12 every year. There have been numerous <laughs> theories trying to explain what happened to the children of Hamlin. For instance, one theory suggests that children died of some natural causes, and the Pied Piper itself was the personification of death. By associating the rats with the Black Death, it has been suggested that children were victims of the plague. Oh, that's even before the plague. Yes, but the Black Death was most severe in Europe uh, after that. Yeah. Uh, More than half a century after the events. Another theory suggests that the children were actually sent away by their parents due to extreme poverty they were living in. I thought you were going to say pottery. Like the children's crusade. (laughs) Yet another theory speculates that children would participate of a doomed children's crusade. Oh, wow. But it was only three of them? And might have it, no, though, three were left behind. Mm. And might have ended up in modern-day Romania. The children's crusade is so insane because they're all sold into slavery eventually. Yeah, the children's crusade is another craft that we're going to get into at some point. Oh, we should do a whole craft on that. Yeah. Um, And one of the darker theories, of course, even proposes that the Pied Piper was was actually a pedophile. Who crept into town of Hamlin to abduct children during their sleep. Wow. Yeah. Check this out. <laughs> so some theories have linked the disappearance of the children to mass psychogenic illness in the form of dancing mania. Oh, I like that. Dancing situation. mania outbreaks occurred during the 13th century, including one in 1237, in which a large group of children traveled from Erfurt to Arnstadt, about 20 kilometers, jumping and dancing all the way in a markedly similar way as the legend of the Pied Piper of Hamlin, which originated around the same time. Well, you know what's interesting about that, too, is sometimes European villages, this happened like three or four times, their rye for their bread would get infected with a fungus. Oh, yeah. And they would turn like... Ergot poisoning. Ergot poisoning. It would turn psychedelic, and the whole town would trip and then have these insane visions of X, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's one of the theories about about why what happened in Salem, Massachusetts, about around about witchcraft. About the witches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... The reason that I bring this up, right, is, is this. Although research has been conducted for centuries, no explanation for the historical event is universally accepted as true. 
In any case, the rats themselves were first added to the story in a version from 1559 and are absent from all earlier accounts. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, right? So um, somewhere between uh, 1559 and 1565, Count Froben Christoph von Zimmern included a version in his um, Zimmerisch Chronique. Um, this appears to be the earliest account in which mentions a plague of rats. Is Zimmerish Chronique like his newsletter? Yeah, I think it was his. Um, it was his. His official time. Yeah. Just through Mailchimp. That is a good way. So this, like the Black Plague account, is like rats are added after talking about these horrible things of death that might actually have been caused just by humans. Wow. Which I which <laughs> comes to my central thesis, which is that rats are kind of given by humans a much, much more horrible name than they might actually be worthy of. Okay, but what about this situation? Um, rats in New York City can still carry fleas that have plague, and every couple of years somebody gets plague from a rat. Yeah, but I mean, well, why don't we blame fleas then? It's true. It, it, yeah, I think most sure. of these things we should blame on fleas. On fleas, seriously. I don't yeah. understand why rats get it. It's, it's we because can they see carry them. the rats. You can the see, fleas you can, live yeah. on the rat. Without the rat, there would be no fleas. Yeah, but, yeah, but then without fleas, there would be no fleas. Exactly. We should blame the fleas. Blame the fleas. Blame, blame the, fleas. the bug. Fuck fleas. The I hate insect. fucking fleas. 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 If you're listening to this, fleas, fuck you. I'm going to fucking come to your house and do a bunch of horrible things. If you're covered in fleas and wearing hymns underwear, you need to go fuck yourself. That's true. Now, here's another thing that I have about Wait, rats. Wait, are hymns flea Proof? No. No, they're not. They're only rat proof. Hymns are not flea proof. They probably get fleas all the time. So, him CEO, if you're listening, subtract $20. We're dissing hymns now, <laughs> but we're still mentioning him. So, keep that in mind. We still want $120. $120. Yeah. We're up to $120. Okay, let me talk here about the Karni Mata Temple in India. Cool. Now, this is a temple dedicated to rats. And I'm going to tell you guys why. Tell us. You call them rats, we call them children. Say Gajanari Singh Barath, the chairman of the Hindu temple in Deshmokhi near India's border with Pakistan. There are an estimated 25,000 rats living in the temple, balancing on the fretwork of its iron castates, tumbling down the staircases, and popping out of every crack in the marble walls. Wow. So, Mr. Singh Brathler <laughs> explains that the animals scampering in the hall outside his office are individually referred to as the Kaaba, meaning child in Rajahanti. He sits cross-legged and unperturbed as one crawls out from under a cushion beneath him, raises itself onto its hind legs, and sniffs a water jug. I'm not afraid, said Mr. Singh Brath. I'm also a Kaaba, so why should I be afraid? I'm also a child. I'm also a rat. Members of the local Sharan clan believe that they are reincarnated as temple rats when they die. The temple is dedicated to the Hindu female saint Karni Mata, who, according to the Temple Museum, was born in 1444. The temple, also the year of the rat, if I'm doing my math in my head. Yeah, you, and you're doing it correctly, too. The temple's chairman says rats first appeared at the site when Karni Mata's nephew, Laxman, drowned in a nearby river and she resurrected him. Oh. But some reports claim that Karli Mata couldn't revive him and so requested Yama, the Hindu deity of death, to reincarnate all her family as rats until they could be subsequently reborn as humans into the Sharon clan. And I'm going to skip ahead, but when alive, the rats, because they cremate the rats, they do all this wild shit with the rats, like the rats are like sacred in the thing. When alive, they live like kings. Inside the temple, pilgrims sprinkle food on the rats' backs and large bowls. Macaroni and cheese? What? Macaroni and cheese? Scrambled eggs. Corn? Any kind of crumbs you can imagine are sprinkled. If I were, Kate, you'd probably agree with me on this. We were there. Mm-hmm. I would sprinkle macaroni and cheese, mm-hmm. scrambled eggs, mm-hmm. and corn. Yeah, definitely. Similar to that, in one corner, devotees and temple servants stir giant cooking pots containing food for the rats, running around in frantic circles next to them. The temple gets through 100 to 150 kilograms of ingredients every day to feed the animals. Devotees believe it's auspicious to eat from the same dish as the rats. Oh, cool. so they're eating corn with the rats. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and let me guess this. Oh, is that place a big um, hub for the Black Plague? No, I doubt it is. Well, fortunately, Black Plague has been generally eradicated. 
Well, you know what? Eradicated. Eradicated. This is actually interesting to note is that other places have gotten sick from rats in India, but never this town. They've been blessed. This town has always stayed like rat disease free. Probably because they're they're so introduced to them and they're so used to them. Their bodies are like, oh, cool. We did this. We adapted to this. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, if you are a rat in that area and you find this temple where people are sprinkling bread, you go there. Like, none of the rats. Just ever leave. There. That's the main insane part about it. I this. wouldn't. Yeah, fuck no. It's very rare for them I was to find wait, but it's sprinkle breeding macaroni and, and cheese like on me. 350 million rats all the time and there's like all of them in that weird hut. Like how do they just not do they come and kill them frequently? Who? Like the like no. do you see what I'm saying? Like if they we had a, before somebody was saying about how many rats could breed at all the people of the world, the equivalent of that rats from two rats. Like how do all those rats in that place live? Well, it says that, that sometimes the rats, like the rat population goes in waves. Sometimes they will have a hundred thousand rats, other times they'll have twenty thousand rats. It's like a weird like weaving and, up and, and nature down. taking care of it. Yeah, for sure. It has to be something like that because I can see what you say. Similar to the t- trouble with trebles, that Star Trek episode where the guy yeah, comes like the, in, right? The or guy like, comes in with a twisty called? mustache and sells them the trebles. Or, or what are those called? Gremlins. And gremlins also multiply. Yeah, Furbies too. Yeah. Here's another question I have for the, for the team, just as a slight digression. Sure, you uh, mean digression? Yeah, as a slight digression. Would you fuck a Furby? Go. You don't have to answer right now. You can think on it. We'll, well have another episode. You mean <laughs> like you an anthropomorphized a Furby or like just, just a Furby as, machine? Just as <laughs> No, I, I, I no. wouldn't. It would hurt. But what if it was alive? What if it was a Furby? It looked exactly like it, but it was alive. And it wasn't made out of plastic. It was made out of uh, soft tissue flesh. It would depend on the Furby. You think you would have to like get to know it first? <laughs> yeah, Probably. Why? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't. Well, well, what? Do you fuck your dog? <laughs> no. Of yeah. Okay. Well, not. your dog's made of soft flesh. <laughs> I know that for a fact. Interesting point. We'll come back to this. Yes, and I'm very proud to say that we are learning a lot about rats today. True or false? Absolutely true. I feel enriched <laughs> mentally. I feel kind of ready for five guys, actually. Are we ready to end this? Are you stopping the pod because you're hungry? I'm sorry. Okay, no. I'm no. I'm just. This, this is just a tan. This is this is a discretion, if you will. I'm just saying five guys sounds awesome, and this is this kind of moving conversation along. Mm. Do you, okay, I personally I'm, would am out of rat facts. However, yeah, I did read facts. a poem on the way over here on the poetry in motion um, subway system of enlightening subway goers mm. ad campaign. That I could share right now. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You do that, and I have one last rat story. And then no, wait. Let's do the rat story first, and then end on. Yeah. The let's do that. Okay. Yeah. If you guys want to choose poetry over real life facts, that's fine with me. That's totally yeah. a crafter's way to go about it. The other day, I was walking with the dog on the street, and we saw a rat run across the street. These sanitation workers were picking up the trash to throw it away, and the rat ran towards the sanitation worker. He picked up his boot. And fucking smashed down on the rat. He and just stomped it. In he stomped trap. it. And I stopped. The sanitation worker stopped. The other sanitation worker yelled, like, what the hell? Like, that's insane. We've never seen this before. The guy lifted up his shoe to find the dead rat. And we're all, like, aghast. And he pulls out his phone and says, I'm going to take a picture of this for my girl. That's awesome. Isn't that yeah, tight? That's really dope. If, yeah. if Brian sent you a pic- picture of a stomped no. rat, <laughs> he knows to not do that. You would not be into it. I don't know if I know that. I have a picture of a, I have a picture of a stomped rat on my phone. Do you want to see it? No. Kate, would you fuck a Furby? No. <laughs> I think the point about not fucking our dog is actually a valid comparison. It's completely. Are you kidding me? It's a completely valid comparison. <laughs> All right. Do you want to hear a poem? Yes. That I wrote. Wait, on- was it you wrote it or was it on the subway? No, this is on the subway. Okay. Okay. Continue. This poem is called Two Beautiful Sewer Rats Have Become Magic in the Sewer by a Spontaneous Act. Ooh. Two beautiful sewer rats have become magic in the sewer by a spontaneous act. They are spiritually enlightened and have learned to feel more emotions than a human can and no mind over matter. These rats, they can play with minds like the doctor of Frankenstein's monster and can also play dead like Frankenstein can and the outside of space, time, and matter. Mm. 
With their massive brains, they frolic like yin and yang, Pisces fishes 69ing in the rubbish drain. Opposites <laughs> attract, like good cop, bad cop, completing each other in the Spider-Man kiss of the S-trap. The slop sink ambigram. These rats, they play in love and pain. Perfect lovers aurora borosing the Coriolis effect. Neither have separation anxiety or horrible bosses. Yep. Two rats have become magic in the sewer by a mysterious act. And that is by Billy Collins, the Poet Laureate of the United States of America. We know that's by you, because yeah. only you're dumb enough to mention an S-trap in a poem, you <laughs> dumb Because <laughs> you have the similar, I also have plumbing autism, where I love plumbing. <laughs> this is true. So, I mean, duh, you wrote that fucking Billy Lamb. That's by Billy Collins, the Poet Laureate of the United States of America. Well. Well, yeah. I think we... And, and Cedric Bixler-Zavala. Okay. At the drive. I'm done. Rat-a-tat-tat. And I guess that's it. I think, that was amazing. I think we've learned a lot about rats. We've learned a lot about each other. And we've learned a lot about our sponsor, Hymns Underwear. $180 to our account. Or we are going to continue to take your rat-based fucking bitch ass like men's underwear that's supposed to be rat-free. We're going to test it in the streets. And if we don't get $180, at least $180 worth of free underwear... I will personally die in reading Listen, your we don't want $180 of free <laughs> We, we don't want to, yeah, we, we want $180. We want $180. And if you don't give it to us, we're going to prove that this underwear has a higher proclivity for attracting the fleas and body lice that had caused the Black Plague. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Fucking him's underwear looks like the Black Plague, and we're going to put it into action. It's we, true. We're blackmailing you, Hims. We are. You sent me a standard form email that said you would give me twenty dollars for mentioning your shitty company. And because and that, I I'm want two hundred now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we want two hundred and twenty dollars. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to contact the PNAS, the, the, the PNAS uh, Society, and we're going to conduct a study that proves that your product is inferior and also the uh, horrible. No, PNAS. I'm going to contact the Better Business Bureau and tell them your underwear is not rat-free. <laughs> My genitalia yeah. is covered in rat bites. Yeah. We'll yelp them. The rat population of the world is estimated to be 108 billion. 24 times the human population. So, like craft, rats have a lot of fun things involved with them, and they're excellent. They're good people, and <laughs> they love you. They are. And like a wicker basket, sometimes craft is ugly. Sometimes rats are ugly. Sometimes, sometimes they're beautiful. Sometimes, sometimes they're unfairly maligned. Exactly. Similar sometimes to craft. Sometimes they cure diseases. Where they're unfairly maligned, like craft. Sometimes when you put googly eyes on a piece of wood and say that's your father, that's a shitty craft. And rats get maligned like a shitty craft, but they're not. Or a shitty father. But they're better than your dad. Moral of the story is, Diane Rain, rats are better than your father. And that concludes this episode of Crafts Conversation. I would like to thank our sponsor once again, Uncle Cluck, for delivering us into the rat. Thank you. Thank you. Late at night on the creek, falling down Texas Street. Looking in my mirror, I just saw some niggas that's following me. So I hear my turn to see again in the tunnel and medical clip. Falling down, walking to the uh uh, thinking I need some help. Pulled up on the corner, saw my brother be tricky, keep this thing. I asked him what's up with these niggas that's following me in the flag was saying slowly. The top dropped out, came to 40 Glock. I knew they won't boo with shit when I heard the fucking shot. And they tryna kill me But what I really don't know I guess that luck will test on me Drop 19 sweet dreams That'll commit the plan He hit that thing Turn up in a hundred Turn up in a hundred Turn up in a hundred Uh-oh, bitch hit a post So I gotta get a woman Need no fuss I'm playing gold Then I ran to the car Cause I can't get fired When I rise on the thing He escaped from the car Damn, what the fuck he go Look at this stuff And I really don't know Seeing it doesn't seem Run to the past So I commit to the business Is that one of me to death Two of me to me Wanna get away The other one he bit Four nights on today I ain't right So I can fulfill the best Shut up, bitch, you gotta die Saw a rat this big. Are you sure? No, I mean it. He was this big.